Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs. August 1st, 2023 marks the 75th anniversary of OSI's inception. And throughout the year, the command will commemorate the occasion based on the theme, Inspired by Our Past, OSI's Future Starts Today. And with me to discuss how the first field investigations region fits into that scenario, I'm very pleased to have with us Region 1 Deputy Director, Special Agent Russ McLaren. Russ, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, sir. Uh, so actually, I spent the majority of my 22-year OSI career in Region 1, uh, so it's an absolute honor to represent Region 1 and discuss how our past inspires the future. So thanks for having me, Mr. Wayne. Very, very good. Now, uh, let's uh, get right into it, shall we? Now, uh, uh, granted, uh, uh, 75 years ago was when OSI uh, uh, was uh, activated, but Region 1 was activated back in June of 1992. Now, uh, how did that activation come about, Russ? Well, uh, so the activation definitely predates my time in OSI. However, uh, from what I've gleaned over time and doing some research on the issue, uh, the activation came about following uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm in uh, the 1990-1991 timeframe. Uh-huh when the former Secretary of the Air Force, Donald Rice, initiated a plan to restructure and downsize the Air Force to refocus from a, a Cold War versus Russia strategy to a broader uh, strategic planning framework. I think we called it the Global Reach Global Power, uh-huh. uh, which I believe was designed to reinforce our commitment to our national partners and our allies uh, around the world. Uh, this this uh, the reorganization was designed, obviously, to make the Air Force leaner more efficient, and it, it impacted every organization in the Air Force, including OSI. So a part of this change uh, led to the creation of the Air Force Materiel Command, which Secretary Rice coined as the cradle-to-grade manager of current and future weapon systems. Mm-hmm. And then following uh, an initial headquarters OSI reorganization, Brigadier General Francis Dillon, the OSI commander at the time, from what I understand, restructured OSI, and, and depending on who you talk to, from 13 or 16 ge- geographically oriented districts and uh, subordinate detachments into the seven uh, field investigation regions that we have today, uh-huh. designed to better support our Air Force customers and, 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 and align with Air Force major commands. And in Region One's case, uh, the Air Force Material Command, which is headquartered here at wright Patterson Air Force Base. Right, right. Now, uh, uh, now besides establishing uh, itself to identify, exploit, and neutralizing criminal, terrorist, and intelligence threats in the Air Force Material Command, as you just mentioned, Region One's mission expanded to include uh, the Air Force Special Operations Command and Air Force Reserve Command. Now, uh, that's a lot of responsibility. What necessitated that expansion, Russ? Uh, yeah, so so I'll address the AFSOC piece first, and then I'll go into the uh, Air Force Reserve Command piece. Sure, sure. Uh, as they're both separate. So the way I understand it is uh, following the overall uh, aforementioned OSI reorganization in 1992, um, our Detachment 104 supported the Armament Center Commander at Eglin Air Force Base. And then the former Jet 309 out of Region 3 supported uh, AFSOC at Herbert Field, Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, in response to the establishment of the OSI Special Mission Branch to support the AFSOC folks at Herbert Field, OSI saw the need for a more senior OSI commander to directly interact with the three-star AFSOC commander. So in 2008, DET 104 initially absorbed DET 309 as an operating location, and they assigned an LO to uh, an LNO to AFSOC. And then shortly after that, both units combined to create uh, the Ninth Field Investigative Squadron, uh, and that was under the old OSI philosophy of one base, one commander. Right, uh, right. Designed to serve both ASNC and AFSOC needs, um, and then of course 
9th Fisk was decommissioned uh, and the two bases were broke out again. Uh, and now debt 104 supports Eglin and debt 121 uh, supports uh, AFSOC at Herbert Field. Um, and that transition, I think, happened around 2018 or 2019. Uh-huh. I see. Uh, is, it, is it safe to say then uh, it, it became a, uh, you know, an organizational restructuring that uh, enabled OSI to become uh, uh, kind of leaner and meaner, if you will? A absolutely. I think that's always the intended the design uh, when we do these restructuring assets. And I think in this case, uh, Ninth Fist was a big beast and breaking those two units back out really uh, gave us the ability to better manage and focus on asset priorities and then Eglin focus back on the AFMC and Armament Center priorities. Uh -huh. I see. Very good. Now, uh, uh, as you mentioned, Region 1 headquarters is uh, uh, there at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, but its geographical jurisdiction spans 19 states from coast to coast. What's been Region 1's key, or keys, if you will, to successfully operating with such a wide footprint uh, from coast to coast? So, so if it's okay, uh, so on the previous question, if I could just kind of readdress. So, so for the Air Force Reserve Command, because that, that was separate than AFSOC, and so right. uh, let me try giving their justice. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so we established the Air Force Reserve Command uh, because Debt 105 at Robbins Air Force Base provided traditional support to Headquarters Air Force Reserve that, which, that was also located at Robbins Air Force Base. Um, there was a challenge with this because Air Force C, uh, obviously has dozens of geographically separated bases across the country, um, and OSI would support each of these bases differently um, you know, from region to region and detachment to detachment. So this inconsistent support led to OSI's decision to bring all the AFRC units under Region 1 and then assign an LNO to uh, provide direct uh, dedicated service to AFRC. And I, and I, and I wanted to go back to it because I think it's important or noteworthy to mention that thanks to the efforts of General Bullard, Colonel Baccarella, the former Region 1 Chief, Chief Hoy, uh, Chief Gao, and many others, we recently upgraded the AFRL and O position to an E9 position, uh -huh. which is currently filled by uh, Chief Eric Powell, who was the first chief selected for the position. And so what that does for us is it it, it uh, offers a significant upward mobility and career progression for our enlisted Air Force Reserve agents and then greatly enhances our ability to recruit quality folks in these positions. So I just wanted to go back and kind of make a note of that. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you did mention one acronym that uh, maybe our, our new listeners to uh, the podcast may not be familiar with. You said LNO. What exactly is an LNO? Uh, it's just a liaison officer, a liaison position. That's someone who, who sits in a, um, uh, maybe not a major command, but provides dedicated service to a, a subcomponent of a major command. I see. Okay, very good. Uh, now, again, uh, in that question about uh, uh, keys to the footprint uh, being so expansive for uh, Region 1, uh, you know, with uh, kind of like spokes of a wheel emanating from uh, right pat there in, uh, in Ohio, uh, what have been uh, some of the keys as you see it? Again, you spent the majority of your time, if not all of it, at the, uh, with Region 1. I would imagine not only the people, but uh, uh, communication uh, uh, has been a, a valid uh, asset to you guys as well. Absolutely, Wayne. And actually, with the addition of four new national security attachments uh, in Region 1, that footprint may have even grown a little more. Uh -huh. uh, but, but, but to your point, I, I think the key uh, to successfully operating such a wide footprint, much like other regions with large AORs, uh, is good leadership, good lines of communication, both up and down the chain of command. And I think for Region 1, it starts at the top. Uh, for us, uh, currently, Colonel Baccarella, uh, the current region commander provides very clear priorities and expectations, which are obviously aligned with OSI strategy and general board's priorities. Right. And secondly, we have a, a great unit leadership that executes those priorities on a daily basis, as well as great field agents executing the mission. And then finally, I have to highlight that we have a great region support team that works tirelessly 
uh, to streamline processes to ensure our field units have what they need to be successful. So, so to answer the question, the key to success is clear expectations, great leadership and communication, and then um, outstanding support to ensure our units have what they need to be successful. Well, as they say, uh, you know, one team, one fight, and that certainly sounds like it. Uh, the way the way uh, operations go in uh, uh, Region One. Absolutely. Now, uh, Russ, uh, what are what are some of the mission milestones? If you kind of put your, uh, uh, you know, your your uh, going back in history a little bit, if we may, what are some of the mission milestones uh, Region One can look back on that have really defined its legacy as you see it? Um, I would offer the first mission milestone that has helped define Region 1's mission and their legacy would be the Central Systems Fraud Mission. Um, with the Air Force and OSI reorganization to support the Air Force Material Command, uh, Region 1 also inherited the fraud mission, which greatly complemented Region 1's mission to ensure the integrity of Air Force acquisitions. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, that mission would later transition to the newly formed Procurement Fraud Division. Um, so the so the fraud the fraud mission would be probably the first thing that comes to mind. But I would offer that the mainstay for Region One over time has been its counterintelligence mission, uh, supporting technology development. Mm -hmm. um, I think Region One has been on the forefront of defining OSI's technology protection mission, definitely since the alignment in 1992, and, and probably long before that. Um, this would include the creation of the Integrated Threat Assessment Cell, which we call the ITEC. Right. Uh, which produces technology threat assessments in support of AFNC acquisition milestones and program protection plans, um, as well as the creation of the multi-agency Red Eye Task Force uh, that was created by uh, Special Agent Dan Altman out of former Jet 110 in Los Angeles, uh -huh. um, as well, you know, obviously, supported by some other really smart agents down there. Right. Um, so they created the Red Eye Task Force and then moved it back here to Region 1 as an operating location uh, in around 2001 timeframe. Um, and then more recently, I think the addition of four NFDs will help define and further solidify Region One's legacy in protecting Air Force technology development uh, to support future warfighters. Um, right now, you, now you mentioned technology. I would imagine uh, that creates uh, presents quite a challenge to folks in Region One, given how technology has uh, has rapidly changed so much uh, over the last few years or so. Absolutely, and 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 the 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 DoD policies. Um, has evolved significantly in my 20 years that I've been looking at this. So we went from a, um, a CPI, critical program information, which was in the thousands. Um, we developed OSI, came out with Spartan Citadel in conjunction with uh, PJ and the, and the Secretary of the Air Force to even downsize that further and prioritize um, Air Force technology that we support. And so we have a list of CIPLA, a priority list that, uh, that's about 150 uh, capabilities that 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 we focus our efforts on. So it's been streamlined to help us again, designed to be more efficient and more effective on um, protecting the mission. Sure, sure, no doubt about that. Now uh, you mentioned uh, uh, some names earlier on, Russ, uh, that have been very important in the uh, development of uh, Region One. Uh, who have been some of the primary contributors that have been integral to Region One's success throughout the years? I would imagine, you know, you, the 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 list could be a real laundry list because there's so many uh, folks uh, that have been doing great things out of Region One. Uh, but there are in your time, uh, there are 20 plus years. Have uh, uh, you noticed any that kind of really stand out? Uh, obviously, everybody supports each other, but uh, some that have uh, really uh, set the set a benchmark, you might say, uh, with Region One. Yeah, that's uh, tough question, right? Tough question. <laughs> tough question. Um, so, you know, thinking about that question, I, I I would say that I may not be able to sufficiently answer it. I feel there are many people who have been right. primarily contributed to the success over the years, uh, and and I and I I feel that that if I can't, I won't do them justice. I will say, in my personal experience with Region One over the last twenty years. Uh, you know, generally speaking, obviously, we've had outstanding commanders and senior enlisted leaders who've led Region 1 efforts. Yeah. 
personally, I think uh, we have folks like uh, Mr. Doug Lane, who's been a mainstay here at Region 1 uh, for the better part of the last 30 years. Uh, Mr. Lane was definitely one of my mentors as a young agent learning counterintelligence. Uh -huh. um, and so Doug is a retired agent who returned as an analyst uh, and was promoted to the Region Director of CI by former Region 1 Commander Colonel Jeffrey Harker. Right. Uh, Mr. Lane uh, has mentored hundreds, if not thousands, of agents in the CI support the technology protection mission set. And I think he's really helped define and pave the way for OSI, and especially the new OSI Spartan Citadel Tech Protect Initiative. I think um, uh -huh. he's, he's provided great um, insight for that. And then on top of that, we just had a great, uh, phenomenal group of agents. Um, and, and I always think about, whenever I think back, I think about... Um, you know, there's some really some really unique units in OSI that has developed really talented people. And one of those units, as you mentioned, I said earlier, and that's the old uh, Detachment 110 out of Los Angeles Air Force Base, uh -huh. um, who produced some really phenomenal agents. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, Dan Altman, uh, who identified a foreign threat and took a huge risk to create the Red Eye Technology Transfer Task Force. Um, and that Red Eye Task Force has significantly evolved the way OSI executes its CI mission. Uh, by making us more proactive hunters and leveraging partnering capabilities right. to get after the foreign atmosphere threat to our party technology. So, so I know I'm missing a lot of people, but in my experience, you know, folks like Doug Lane and Dan Altman yeah. um, have really done wonders um, uh, to to establish Region One's legacy in the tech protect arena. Well, you went you went through that list very very well, and, and like you said, uh, there's uh, just too many to mention uh, in the short time that we have here with the podcast. But uh, uh, you did a very nice job in uh, uh, recounting some of the uh, ones that stood out for you. Now, um, uh, you mentioned the word partner uh, briefly in that last answer. Uh, how has Region One headquarters benefited from being collated with fellow law enforcement agencies? Now, I know uh, you're co-located with uh, you know folks from uh, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, uh, FBI, and so forth. Uh, how has uh, the uh, Region 1 headquarters benefited from uh, those other folks uh, being co-located with you? Uh, yes, sir. I, 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 I'm assuming you're referring to the Red Eye Task Force um, and, right. and the numerous intelligence community and federal law enforcement partners that are co-located with us. They're the Region 1 OL uh, and they sit here in the FMC building with us. Uh, I, I would offer, and there's, there's, there's nine partners that sit on that uh, task force. Um, and I would offer that being co-located with these partners, like like any collaborative effort, uh, gives us a huge advantage by multiplying the amount of people we have focused on the tech protect problem set. Uh -huh. And it enables us to leverage their capabilities and provide us the opportunity to direct a coordinated response to foreign threats to our technologies. Uh, so it's been a hugely beneficial relationship um, to leverage those partners to help us accomplish the Air Force mission. Right. Uh, is it a bit of a challenge? Uh, I know you all work to, together on various things, uh, but you have to sometimes learn different languages like what the FBI uses or what the NCIS uses, and, and they in turn would have to uh, understand, uh, uh, you know, some of the lingo that OSI uses. Absolutely true. And, and I tell, I used to be on the Red Eye Task Force, and I would tell everybody, give yourself six months uh, to get acclimated <laughs> to the, the dynamics and the politics and the verbiage uh, because it is a little bit of a different role when you live in it every day, and there's so many different organizations, uh, as you as you alluded to, with uh, different lingo, different acronyms, uh, different priorities, and so you have to be able to navigate that uh, bureaucracy, if you will, to be right. successful. Right. Very good. Now, uh, if you could put on your uh, uh, put on a crystal ball a little bit, if you could, or grab your crystal ball, if you would, uh, looking ahead, how would you characterize the future of Region One going down the road? I would imagine uh, with the groundwork that's been laid, it's it's very bright. Uh, I, I would agree. I I think it is very bright, and I and I think um, 
uh, true to the theme of this podcast, I think the future Region 1 will be inspired by its past. Uh, so I think that's a, a really good theme. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, Region 1 will continue uh, leading the way in protecting technology development to shape future battlefields. And of course, and definitely preserving the Air Force's technological superiority over our adversaries. Mm -hmm. um, based on OSI strategy, I think the continued efforts uh, for collateral units and PJ to collaborate in the tech protect arena. Um, I think we continue to proactively target uh, with the Red Eye Task Force newly created national security detachments. Uh, and we provide the most holistic and focused approach to protect our most critical technologies that I think we've ever seen uh, in OSI's history. Uh -huh. uh, so I think I think you're right. I think the future in Region 1 is, is very bright. Now, before we wrap up, Russ, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, about being part of OSI's 75th anniversary observance? I mean, it's quite a milestone, no doubt about that. Absolutely. Um, and I guess I would just say that, you know, I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of this OSI family and this team. Uh, grateful for the opportunity that I've been personally been given to lead and mentor future OSI leaders. And, you know, OSI has done a phenomenal job laying out a great strategy. We've hired a, uh, a more diverse and phenomenally smart workforce than ever before. Uh, and it will be exciting to see how the next generation builds on the legacy of those before us uh, who have worked so hard to build uh, and to ensure the Air Force remains most powerful and unmatched Air and Space Force um, uh, in the world for the, for the next 2075 years. So I'm excited to see uh, where, where OSI goes in the future. Well said. Our guest has been Special Agent Russ McLaren, the Deputy Director of OSI's First Field Investigations Region. Russ, thanks so much again for taking the time to be with us. It was a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you, Mr. Wayne. It was a pleasure to, to be involved. And thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.